Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. It is erroneous to assume that because a baby boy or girl is born into the human life that automatically it will know how to live the human life. After all, that's what good parents do. They not only birth that child, but they take that child through rigorous training, uh, even discipline, to develop that infant into a mature man and woman that can take its place here in the human race and live a life that is fruit-bearing and influential. And that's why we, we, we take children through training. It's to maximize their potential, their humanity. Well, the same is true in the spiritual life. Many of us just assume that because I'm born of God, uh, I will now know how to walk with God and live with God and hear God and, 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 and know God. We shy away from discipline. We shy away from training. We shy away from discipleship. And we run into a wall. And many of us, if we were to be honest, we're frustrated in our walk with God. Why do I remain as an infant? When I know in me I'm meant for more. And and why do I not get to live a life of fruit bearing? Why don't I live a life of, of spiritual influence? What is wrong? I want to submit to you that the spiritual man is not just somebody that is born of the Spirit, but somebody that is grown by the one that birthed him. Inasmuch as a mom and dad is responsible for that young one to grow and mature it, God is responsible to grow and mature us, and we are responsible to take the training and to let it have an effect upon us. I uh, think of the Galatian believers there in the first century who started in the Spirit, but weren't perfected by the Spirit. They weren't matured and advanced by the Spirit. They they sought to be advanced by their flesh. And so they never arrived to a spiritual stature that represented the burden of God's New Testament economy. Paul even says in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, where God wants to perfect the saints, so that the saints can contribute to the work of the ministry, so that the body of Christ can be built up until we arrive at the oneness of the faith and the fullness of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a grown man at the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here you see the burden of the apostle, which is no doubt the burden of God, is that We grow to a place where Christ in me has predominance and preeminence and where Christ in me is central and foremost and where I am not only of Christ, 
but I am living in him and I'm living by him and I'm living uh, with him and uh, unto him. Paul would say, in him I live and move and have my being. The entirety of my being is grown up into the full stature of Jesus the Christ. He says here in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, the reason we need to grow up and become spiritual people, a spiritual man, a spiritual woman, is so that we may no longer be children tossed here and there by the waves of the culture or carried about by every wind of teaching and the trickery and the cunning slight of men. So a spiritual man is somebody that is in training, where a spiritual baby is somebody that even though he's born of God, yet he is not trained and disciplined, matured in the things of God. In the upcoming audio clip, we will explore three words related to spiritual growth in the spiritual man versus the carnal fleshly man. Word number one is rhythm. The spiritual man will have to cultivate a unique rhythm with God, like two dancers have to learn to sort of come into a rhythm with one another, we have to learn and grow up into a very unique rhythm with God. Number two is the word regulation, where we will explore who regulates the spiritual man versus the carnal fleshly man. And number three, we will explore the word source. Who is the source? that fuels predominantly the spiritual man's life versus the carnal man's life. So those three words will be the emphasis of our time together. Rhythm, regulation, and source. Point number one. A spiritual man is someone who lives the Christian life by an entirely different rhythm and reality than that of the natural man's rhythm and reality. The natural man's rhythm is to just get up and live by his carnality. Live by what he knows, what he can see, what he can understand. And there's just a very predictable rhythm. He's going to speak according to the natural man, reason according to the natural man, think. It's just a rhythm. And it's his reality. But a spiritual man has a different rhythm. A spiritual man always turns to the supply within. Lord Jesus, what are you saying in this? Lord, what is your mind in this? God, what is your feeling in this? I want to get mad and angry at this. God, what are you all about? That's a spiritual man. His reality, his rhythm is consistently different than that of a carnal person. Turn to the book of Romans now, chapter 8. The chapter that differentiates between the fleshly man predominantly living by his natural constitution and the spiritual man predominantly living by the spirit of the life-giving God on the inside. Go ahead and find Romans 8 and 
We're going to pick up there at verse 5, but back to your notes first. There's a bullet. It says, a carnal person lives by the rhythm and the reality of his flesh. And Paul says it here in Romans 8 verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh, notice there, they have a lifestyle and a rhythm and a reality according to the influence of the flesh. It says that they mind the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, those who are born of the Spirit and begins to cultivate the rhythm and the lifestyle and the environment of the Spirit, they mind the things of the Spirit. So you see here immediately a contradiction. The fleshly man constantly lives and thinks according to that likeness of the flesh. The spiritual man lives according to the mind and heart and burden of the spirit. Two different kinds of people. Verse 6, it says, For the mind that is set on the flesh, that is the mind that exercises Fleshliness is death. But the mind that is set on the Spirit, a mind that is according towards, in and by, and exercised in the Spirit, is life and peace. You see again the contradiction here. A spiritual person living by the Spirit, a natural carnal person living by the flesh. And that person in the flesh exercises constantly fleshiness in his life. A person in the spirit exercises constantly spirituality in his life. Verse 7. Because the mind that is set on the flesh. Again, the person that exercises his fleshliness. That person is an enemy of God. Do you see that in your Bible? So, if I live in this territory, in this realm, if I live in this rhythm and reality of the flesh, immediately you're constituted the enemy of God. That means if you want to be at peace with God daily and experience God daily, you've got to have a transition out of that fleshly mindedness into spiritual mindedness. You experience intimacy Union. That's why many of us don't experience the presence of God, maybe, because we're still in this arena, this rhythm, this reality of the self, the I, the me, the flesh, my talent, my mind. And I exercise that every single day. No matter what occasion comes, I exercise the me, the self, the carnal, the flesh, the familiar, my upbringing, my culture. I exercise that every single day. Something arises, my mind is just in the natural flow. It is just easy. You're an enemy of God. You're an enemy of God. That's why you don't experience the anointing. That's why fruit can pop out of your being. That's why you don't have the proper wisdom. It's because you are an enemy of God. On the contrary, you're a person in the spirit. Now you make mistakes. In the spirit, it doesn't mean we arrive. Amen. We still fall short. A spiritual man is not the same as a 
arrived man. But a spiritual man is living in an arena of Canaan. There's a lot of work in Canaan still. We've not been entirely perfected, but you guys, we've crossed over. And here, I am a partner of God. When certain situations arise, I don't think immediately with the natural mind anymore. I don't consult my natural talent anymore. I don't consult my culture. The spiritual mind immediately is towards God. Father, speak to me. Lord, what is your view? Lord, what do you say? What does the word say? That's a spiritual man. It says in verse 8, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, how emphatic is that? Saints, maybe somebody has told you this. I hope I'm not the first. But in your flesh dwells both good and evil. If the flesh is the fuel to evil, well, that's easy to recognize and discern. Those who are in that flesh cannot please God. But you and I get deceived because in your flesh is also good. And many of us live by the fuel of the flesh, trying to do good. We too are the enemy of God. I'll prove that to you a little bit later. Romans 7, just the foregoing chapter here, where Paul tries to do the good, but by the wrong supply. Even that good by the supply of the flesh is still an aggravation to God. Has anybody taught you that? So in fleshville, there's evil. Well, that's easy to discern. When by the flesh I do evil, anybody can discern that and say, oh, that is other than God. But somehow we are deceived thinking that in the flesh... I even do good, but by the fuel of the flesh, somehow that must count before God. Saints, anything by the source of the flesh has no standing before God. Again, anything fueled by the supply, the fountain, the source of your flesh, even if it's good, you're going to find the absence of God's anointing on it. The absence of Christ in it. And so, so many of us, we try to live the Christian life doing good. But we're in the source of the self. Even that. It's against God's New Testament economy. So, yeah, those who are in the flesh, whether good flesh or bad flesh, you just cannot please God. Look back here on your notes. Another bullet there, it says, a regenerated person, that is a born-again person, he receives the life supply of God and is henceforth in Christ. He may, for the most part, still manifest his natural man, however, in the early stages of Christian maturity. So, it is a wonderful thing to be in Christ. Hallelujah. 
However you got there, it's a miracle. It's a great thing to be in Christ, but so many of us are in Christ, yet we still manifest mostly flesh, even good flesh. That's just a sign that even though you're in Christ, there's a lot more maturing that has to take place. So what is a spiritual person? A spiritual person is not a born-again person only. Again, it's a great thing to be born again to come into Christ and Christ into you. A spiritual person is somebody who now lives by Christ. As I say it here in the next bullet, a spiritual person lives by the life of Christ and is henceforth permanently under the regulation. And if you will underline that word, he's under the regulation of the Spirit of God. Turning your Bibles quickly, keep Romans there if you will. We're going to come back to Romans uh, in just a little bit, but go to John chapter 6. This is a beautiful, beautiful verse here. That proves this point so beautifully. A spiritual person is not perfect, saints. But a spiritual person lives by God. And notice what Jesus says here. John 6, um, verse 56 again. He says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. You can almost in verse 56 see the first stage of the Christian life. It's where you take Jesus' cross and His work and His person and you say, I believe. And at that time, you begin to receive Him into you and you are in Him and He is in you. You can almost see a little bit stage one there in verse 56. Christ comes into you when you believe in His bodily death and resurrection. You believe in the cross. You believe in the blood. But notice verse 57, and saints, I think here is the secret to the entire Christian life. John 6, verse 56. I want to encourage you to memorize this. And maybe even this afternoon, pray into this. You know, so many of us have a secret to the Christian life. It's giving. It is fasting. It is singing. It is serving. We all have our secrets. I think this is the secret. I could be wrong. But let's see. He says, as the living father. What type of father do we have? A living. Yeah. And what is he going to try to do in you? Live. Yeah, that's easy. As the living Father has sent me. And notice, I live because of the Father. Here's a little bit of a secret to Jesus' way of living. He lived by the Father's life. Do you see that? He was totally regulated by who? Not Judaism, 
not Joseph and Mary, not his culture. He was not regulated by the needs of the time. He lived by the Father. It's almost as though the Father is like the waterfall and Jesus is standing at the bottom of the waterfall and God pours over and into Him and He lives by that Father. Now notice, here's the little secret in Francois' book of the Christian life. He says, Even so, in like manner, in a similar way, he who eats me, that is, he who believes me, trusts me, he shall live because of me. Do you all see that? A little secret to the Christian life here. Jesus couldn't live the Christian life. Who lived it for him? Thank you. I love the conviction there. Love the... Are you all in agreement? Jesus could not live the Christian life. Amen. At times he even said, you know, I can't do anything of myself. I'm for all practical purposes, useless. I live by the Father. Amen. So Jesus says, okay, for those of you who now believe me, have you guys believed Jesus? Amen. For those of you who believe, you will also have to live by me. That's the Christian life. That's the spiritual life. See, so many of us, we eat the Lord here and we drink the Lord. That is, we believe in His body and His blood and His work. And that gets preached to us. And at every sermon, we we, we get invited into that. And so many of us, we say, Amen. Amen. I love the gospel. I receive it. But very few of us go on to live by the life that we received. See, you go on and live now by your culture, by your own imagination, your own superstition, your own fantasy. You make up your own pseudo-spirituality. You just make up stuff. And no wonder you don't have peace with God. No wonder there's not a living flow within you. And life is not coming out of you. The stuff of God don't excite you. We bring in the Auburn team. Everybody's like, whoa, go, hey. We bring in God. We're like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. It's because the life is not flowing in us. You're not living by God. Therefore, the things of God don't excite you. I've ministered to so many people who gladly say, yes, get me out of hell. Egypt is not, I don't want to be there. But I dare not go into Canaan. I'd rather live here in the desert of confusion and self-help and figuring things out. And that's what the desert for those 40 years represent. Living by the self, even though they're redeemed. That's what Canaan represents. Is you've crossed over again and I'm living in the land by God. This is what Jesus says. I think it's a, it's a little secret to the Christian life. Maybe this afternoon, let's spend some time and pray into this. And I want you to envision the life of the Lord in the flesh. He lived by the Father. I want you to envision your life over the past week, month, year. Who's been your supply? That indicates you're a spiritual man. You're a natural, carnal man, even though you're redeemed. So notice here, as the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so He who eats me shall live because of me. In other words, 
Under whose influence are you as a lifestyle? See, so many of us, we love revivals, conferences, mountaintop experiences, because, oh, we become alive there. It's just awesome. And in a sense, we take the blood again and we eat the flesh again. That is, we believe again. Revivals are just awesome. Uh, But we get back in the valley and we just crash and burn and we backslide and we take back the self-life and the flesh life. That's why at Legacy, our heart is to present to you the Christian life as as a lifestyle that you can't live. You can't sprout by yourself. We want to help bring you on into a brand new environment. You guys are already there. I'm just teaching you how more to live in that environment. And within a matter of days, if you've crossed over, you will sprout, brothers, sisters. And you won't be God's enemy anymore. Even though you're His son and daughter, you've been justified and cleansed. In God's economy, we can be His enemy even though you've been redeemed. God's economy is His agenda. In His way, many of us live our own way, doing what is right in our own eye, and we find ourselves outside of the life and the peace of God. Amen? Not so with us anymore. Hallelujah. Back to your notes. Point number two. The spiritual man is therefore someone whose entire being is regulated by the Spirit of God. And that's the word that we are capitalizing on. A life not regulated by the self, but a life regulated by God. Are we talking about a perfect life? Not at all. We're all still in a process. But I am more under the flow and the supply of God than ever before. Saints, welcome to the normal Christian life. That's what we're going for. So this implies that he is under the supply, under the dispensing of God, under the governing rule, under the flow, under the anointing, under the grace, under the Spirit of God, completely living a life by God. Look here at Romans 8 again. We had a couple of verses here of what the life in the flesh is like. Here in verse 9, Paul draws a contrast. In verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Again, I ask you to evaluate how have you been seeking to live the Christian life? You cannot please God that way. Verse 9. But you are not in the flesh. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. He says, you're not in the flesh. But you are in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Yet anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ is not of Him. But Christ is in you. 
Though your body is dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead, if he dwells in you, he, that is the spirit who raised Christ from the dead, will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. We are not going to extrapolate too much from those verses at this time. There's so much. The point is, in the foregoing verses in Romans 8, there's a picture of the carnal, fleshy, natural self-man. And here comes the anti-picture. The other side. Those who are in the Spirit. They have the Spirit of God. And they live by the Spirit of the Lord. So I say here on your notes, a believer receive the Lord's life. But here at Legacy, as disciples, we want to learn to live by the Lord's life. Entirely a different way of living. Believers receive the Lord's life. Disciples learn to live by their Lord's life. Mm-hmm. Point number three, there's a vast difference in the source that fuels the carnal Christian and the spiritual Christian, respectively. The fleshly Christian draws his supply from his natural resources. The spiritual Christian, he draws his supply from the Holy Spirit's supernatural resources. That is dispensed, maintained, and strengthened in grace. So the reason for Christian carnality and fleshly living is an extended living in spiritual infancy. Let me say that again. The reason for Christian carnality, the reason for Christian fleshly living is because you have a living that has been extended in spiritual infancy. In other words, you have not been taught. You have not grown. You've not been fed the proper food. You may have come out of Egypt and we're so thankful for that, but you're still stuck in the desert. You've not crossed over again and into the good land. So we stay babies. Turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And of course, this is Paul's accusation, or shall I say, his interpretation of the Corinthian condition. Corinthians were definitely in God, in Christ. But they extended their life in spiritual infancy and never moved on and up into meat and maturity. And so notice here chapter 3 verse 1. He says, and I, brothers. Notice that they're brothers in God, brothers in Christ, brothers in the church. They're a part of the family of God. He says, but I, brothers, I wasn't able to speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to fleshy, fleshly, carnal. 
as to infants in Christ. So notice there's a contradiction here. There's two groups of people, even though they're Christian. The spiritual people and the carnal fleshly people. And here is a direct correlation to why people are carnal. They stay infants. See, most of you and I, we get fed with baby food. The books that we read are sometimes so shallow and it tickles just our fancy. We don't eat proper meat that moves us on into the mature things of God. And some of us, we will still be in the same condition spiritually at age 40 than we are at age 20. It's because we don't cross over. We stay babies. He says, I wasn't able to speak to you as to spiritual men. Do you see the apostle's burden here? I want you to grow up. I want you to be a man of God. You're staying babies. You're dividing from one another, dragging each other to court, getting drunk at the Lord's table, sleeping around, misusing the spiritual gifts. You manifest all sorts of spiritual things, but you're a bunch of hooligans. Hooligan is Swahili for baby. The apostle is burdened here that the church would grow up. Look at another verse here in the book of Hebrews. Go there to the right in the New Testament. Go find Hebrews chapter 5. The entire letter to the Hebrews was written to a group of folk who are in God and in Christ. Hallelujah, that's a, that's a great miracle. These Jewish believers are in the Lord. But they're not growing up in the Lord. They're continuing with their Judaistic, religionistic... Is there such a word? They're continuing on in their religious ways. They're natural ways, even though it's good ways in Judaism. And the letter goes forth, a long, exhaustive letter, trying to bring them back to the centrality and the universality and the all-inclusiveness of Jesus Christ. And here, in uh, chapter 5, verse 11 and onwards, we pick up why this letter was written. Notice carefully there in your Bible. Verse 11. Of course, the context here is talking about Melchizedek. And he says, concerning this person, this Melchizedek figure, this high priestly figure, I have so much I want to say to you, but I find it difficult since you have become dull of hearing. I've got meat to give you, but you want baby food. I want to talk to you about God who is in Christ, the real Melchizedek. Melchizedek. But you, you can't handle that. He says, For when because of the time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you what the rudiments of the beginning of the oracles of God are, and have become those who have need of milk and not solid food. What have you been eating, saints, over the past many years? Little milky with some little chocolate stuff that you stir in and whip in there? Or are you guys eating steaks in the spirit? 
Are you able to walk in the Spirit, function by the Spirit, speak by the Spirit, pray by the Spirit, sing by the Spirit, minister by the Spirit, interpret circumstances spiritually? That is proof that you've been eating solid food. Again, we see a kind of a contradiction here. There's the spiritual people who eat solid food. Paul is wanting to minister to them on a much much deeper, much richer level. Then there's many of us, we're just stuck in baby land, infancy land. Saints, you clearly see a picture here. You cannot stay a baby. God wants to move you on. And that's the burden of legacy. We want to move on from the playground into ministry. Walking in God. Bearing the Lord's image. Testifying for the Lord. Ambassadors for God. So he says here, I can't speak to you solid food. You, you need baby food. He says, for everyone who partakes of milk is inexperienced in the word of righteousness because he's an infant. Can you explain, and not only explain, are you and I living out the righteousness of God? Yes or no? It's indicative whether you're still baby or you've grown up to be a woman of God, a man of God. Again, we're not talking about being perfect, but you're on this side of the equation. Living in the land. Righteousness is your lifestyle. Okay, so we make mistakes, but He cleanses me from all sin and restores me to righteousness as a lifestyle. This is a spiritual man. So if you stay in extended infancy and you have to consider what are you reading? What are you listening to? Who has influence over you and I's life? Are you being fed with meat? Or are you just being tickled? This is what happened here in Bible times. It's happening again. But I want you to notice this word, inexperienced. Inexperienced. So many of us are inexperienced in spiritual matters. That's why it scares us to death. Inexperienced people are the ones who cause all the damage in the church life. It's not a mature brother who condemns and criticizes and splits and makes divisions. It's the babies that do that. It's the Corinthian little babies that says, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. It's the babies that makes splits and arguments and gets all bent out of shape. The mature people, we don't have time for that. We're about building up the body of Christ, feeding them solid food. Everybody else on the website writing all sorts of condemnations. Are you one of those? Baby. Are you a man of God? Righteous. As we close our time together, I want to bring a few practical suggestions um, for your consideration. And the first is regarding the word rhythm. I think of a man and a woman in a dance, and yep, there's a little bit of a stepping on the toes, but they, they, they get into the rhythm, and the man learns to lead, and the woman learns to respond. And that to me is just such a beautiful symbol of the rhythm that each of us born of God, 
has to uniquely cultivate before God. And I can think of no better example than Jesus Christ himself. You know, he did not just get up to pray because it was uh, the custom of the Jews. He was in a rhythm with his father. And he got up often, long before daybreak, to spend time with his father. Uh, Judaism didn't wake him up. A checklist did not wake him up. He was in a rhythm with his father. His father woke him up. It also says in the Gospels he often would go into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, as was his custom. And so Jesus developed this discerning of the Father's drawing, and he responded, and he would get up or stay up. And in that way, I want to encourage you to discern the drawing of God into this secret place of prayer and fasting. If you want to grow into a spiritual rhythm with God, it's going to take time and prayer. Time and prayer where you don't really try to twist and bend God's arm, but time and prayer where you really lay a hold of His burden and lay a hold of His heart. And if I can practically just encourage you, don't pray because the prayer book says so. Don't pray because everybody pray. See if you could wake up early or stay up late under the prompting of the Spirit of God. Go on that walk. Go on the, that car ride or go sit or whatever it would be. It doesn't really matter when or where or even how it looks. What matters is, can you feel the pull of the husband man that, that's drawing you into the dance? And uh, can you respond to that rhythm? And respond particularly in the rhythm of prayer. There's many things that the Spirit of God has to teach us. But I believe one of the first things is definitely prayer accompanied by secret fasting. Can the Spirit of God teach you a rhythm of prayer and fasting that has got nothing to do with anybody else? It's a secret language between you and God. It's a secret rhythm between the lover and the beloved. And can God teach you Beyond a book, uh, beyond a man and a ministry and a movement, can God himself get your attention and, and woo you into this rhythmic encounter with him where you know that you know that you know that you know this is God leading me and uh, not man. So in particular, may the Spirit of God uh, gain ground in you in the area of prayer and fasting. Number two, the word regulation. You know, a traffic light regulates some traffic to stop, other traffic to go. And that's the Christian life, where we don't just do things because others do it. We, we live and move and have our being in God, where He's the first and the last, the yes and the amen. He's the one with the authority to say yes and the authority to say no. I want to give you an example here in the book of Acts, chapter 16. It says, They passed through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, yet the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. 
here's the regulation of the Holy Spirit. Even though it was a good thing to go preach the gospel um, in every territory of the known world at that time, yet particularly in this one instance, the Spirit of God said, no, I do not need you to go there right now. Um, and, and Paul, uh, he just he is so okay with it. He's, he's a man that is regulated by the Spirit of God. So practically speaking, are you just going to that wedding because, you know, that's just what everybody does? Or did the Holy Spirit give you permission to go to that wedding? Are you just drinking because everybody's drinking? Are you just watching this and reading that and coming here and doing that? Are you just in the flow of culture, even Christian culture, where what the masses do, that's, that's good enough for you? Or can the, 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 the Lord's word be specifically to you? No, don't go to that wedding tonight. No, don't drink today. No, don't go to that football game today. Or no to this girlfriend. No to that college. No to this job or whatever the situation would be. Can, can the Spirit of God have the final say-so? So I want to encourage you practically is in the next thing that, that, that comes across your decision-making process, um, can God regulate that decision? And uh, I want to encourage you to come into a rhythm where you can discern this is just a good thing versus this is a God thing. And then lastly, the word source. Paul says in the book of uh, Philippians, he says that we are the circumcision. And we are those who serve by the Spirit of God. Philippians 3 verse 3. We serve by. I live by. I move by. In other words, God is the greatest influence in my life. God is my source. And he says, we are not those who have confidence in our flesh. My talent, my education, let's say my financial capabilities, my networking, that's not my source. I live by the Lord's wisdom, um, the Lord's input, the Lord's yes, the, the Lord's no. In the book of James, chapter 3, James uh, says that there is, in verse 15, a wisdom that does not come from God. It's wisdom nevertheless, but it's a source of, in man, in culture, it's a wisdom that is earthly, soulish, that is, it's of man, it's of the natural, and it's even demonic. And so that's what I'm trying to say by source, is even if it looks good, it looks right, really consider, am I serving and doing this by the Spirit of God? Or is it by the power of the flesh and the capability of self? Can I encourage you to cultivate your rhythm with God? You want to be a spiritual man? You want to be a woman of God? Then number one, you have got to learn that secret rhythm with your Lord. You've got to learn to breathe in only His regulation. Like a scuba diver puts a regulator on his mouth. When he goes into that ocean, into that 
unknown world where he cannot live in his natural. He, he, he breathes exclusively through that regulator. Um, otherwise, he doesn't live. And it's the same in the spiritual life. It, it, we're, we're scuba diving in, in, in a fallen territory, in, in darkness. We're, we're living in this world. And, and we cannot live the God life if we don't breathe in God and are regulated by God. And then lastly, who sources, who fuels, who supplies you with the strength, the wisdom? Is it from above? Is it from below? Mm -hmm.